0: You are listening to 919 WDRT Viroqua, and this is the Conscious Bro Show. Hello, everybody. My name is William Kyle Glenn. I go by Kyle. And I'm sitting here with my guest today, Robert Karbelnikoff. How are you doing, Robert? I'm great, Kyle. So, Robert has been studying spiritual science for 40 years. He is a consultant, he is a writer. An educator and been working with the organic farming movement and the biodynamic farming movement for a really long time. So I brought Robert here today to talk about Christ because Christmas is coming up and we're gonna talk about Christ in a a different way than you're used to most likely. It's gonna be uh, profoundly fascinating so stay tuned. And you'll find that out even with this very first question that I have for Robert. What is esoteric Christianity? (laughs) Thanks, Kyle. Um,
1: Well, I would say esoteric Christianity is a way of understanding and uniting with the being of Christ that is not defined. By a particular religious practice or belief system. So, in other words, um, you could be a student of esoteric Christianity, and at the same time, you could be a Buddhist or a Muslim or a Sufi or a Native American. You could be part of, you could be a Catholic or a Lutheran or a Presbyterian, and in fact, or a Mormon, or, 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 in fact, there are students and practitioners of esoteric Christianity who are part of all of these other paths. Why? Because in esoteric Christianity, we understand that the being of Christ transcends any particular religion. Christ embraces all of the religions. Christ is a power for the unity Of religious life in humanity. But Christ is not defined entirely by a particular religion. Christianity, for example. Christianity is a whole set of religious practices that came into being in response to the life of Christ, but they don't define Christ. We can have today a direct relation to this being that is not defined by historical religious practice
0: so th- that's pretty encouraging the way that you're talking about Christ is almost like an objective fact like something that is just so in the universe and that reminds me of you know we said at the beginning you've studied spiritual science for 40 years how does that relate to spiritual science and i guess what is spiritual science
1: <laughs> well christ brings different Teachings and wisdom to every age. Christ is a real being, a being that's part of the evolution of the earth, that's continuing to evolve with humanity. And spiritual science is, you could say, a gift of the Christ being to this particular age. Human beings have a need in our age to understand the nature of the spiritual world, the nature of Christ. Um, the nature of what it means to be a human being. Human beings want to understand much more deeply in our time than historically human beings were were satisfied um, with a kind of more surface-level understanding of Christianity, let's say. But in our time, people want to go deep. More and more people want to go deep. And spiritual science is an answer to this desire, to go much deeper in our understanding of Christ.
0: Interesting. I mean, that brings up a question I was actually going to ask you. And now this is coming from Rudolf Steiner, who is somebody that I've gotten a lot of my information about of esoteric Christianity. Somebody that really dives deep and is uh, seeking and searching for for the answers. Steiner put it in his um, spiritual scientific research that, you know, back in the day, you know, Christ did his deed. 2000 and so years ago it was a really powerful event and the spirit, the emotion behind that was almost contagious to where it just went from heart to heart and it was able to pass from community to community and embraced. but there was almost like a lack of understanding of what it actually meant he said T- uh, today what's really being asked for is for people to understand through their thinking, through knowledge actually what happened can you go deeper into that?
1: Yeah, from the perspective of spiritual science or anthroposophy, we're at the beginning of the Christian era, actually. (laughs) So meaning all this has happened, what's happened historically thus far, happened under a certain inspiration, but it wasn't really understood. And the future of Christianity is going to be a process of illumination where we come to understand what it means to be human. We understand the nature of planet Earth and how to care for planet Earth. It's, it's a conscious evolution. And the last 2,000 years has been a kind of preparation for this moment in time when human beings can take an enormous leap in their consciousness and enter into the deeper mysteries. Because our destiny as human beings is to be a co-creator with the divine and this is part of what the christ was bringing two thousand years ago was to restore human beings to their mission as a co-creator not just a creature seeking salvation but a being that's called by the gods to help carry evolution forward and we need knowledge for that we need to understand our role in the universe and this is again this is the need that spiritual science seeks to address
0: so when you talk about that you're saying christ the being is related to human evolution just as the way you'd see like the i mean i don't know if you think this is legit but like you know the monkey evolving into the the human or whatever we think of human evolution but somehow christ is related to human evolution
1: yes Yes, yeah, sometimes it's called the Christ impulse um, in, in anthroposophy. It's, it's a force that's leading human beings ever and again to realize new aspects of our potential, of what it means to be human, to keep rising up and growing in our knowledge and capacity, to, to deepen our ability to love, right? So when, when Christ first came in Palestine at that time, the concept of love was limited to your people, right? So if you were a Jew, you felt love for other Jews. You didn't feel love for non-Jews. And this is the same for the Greeks. This was the same for every culture. I'm, I met a Hopi elder a couple of years ago, and we were talking about the meaning of the word Hopi. What does it mean to be a Hopi? And he said, well, it means to be a human being. <laughs> if you're Hopi, you're human. But Of course, that meant if you weren't a Hopi, you weren't human. It was the mission of Christ 2,000 years ago to open up the doorway to the concept of universal love, that all human beings are part of one family. This this did not exist at that time in history. And so the, the Christ impulse works in history to keep opening human beings to more and more of their potential. So like right now, we see human beings realizing that the whole planet is part of our destiny. It's sort of like our greater body of humanity, the the ecosphere. This is a this is a, a revelation that's coming from the Christ being.
0: Yeah. So I mean, the way that you put it, it just sounds so amazing. I mean, why wouldn't everybody want that? But when I when I put my feelers out into society today, it seems like Christianity is on the decline. It seems like sometimes Christ could even be an offensive thing if you bring it up. And um, I just want to know what your experience is. I've experienced that. Um, That's putting it nicely, Kyle. <laughs> okay. So what, why, why would that be? Is that because of some of the acts that some so-called Chris, people that call themselves Christians did in the past or rubbing people the wrong way? Or what, what is the reason, do you think, that that...
1: Well, let's be clear. Every religion, like every human being like every culture, has a shadow side and it has a light side, or we could say it has kind of lower self qualities and higher self qualities. So the history of Christianity, like every other religion, is replete with atrocious acts, with cruelty. Um, And right now in the West, there's a lot of people obsessed with the shadow side of Christianity, because we're, we're obsessed with kind of looking to place the blame somewhere how did our how did everything get to be so screwed up and a lot of people um are placing that blame on christianity um i think it's a narrow way of thinking but i can't deny christianity again like every religion has its shadow and it's it's carried along shadow but From the perspective of esoteric Christianity, again, we're at the beginning of a true expression of Christianity. And we shouldn't throw out the baby with the bathwater because the Christ being is a powerful force to bring real change into our world.
0: So how does esoteric Christianity and spiritual science relate to the Bible?
1: Well, the Bible... Um, is full of stories of people's real communion with the spiritual world. I mean, the Old Testament is basically a book of stories of human beings' interaction with different divine beings. And the Gospels tell the story of different people's encounter with the being of Christ. So there's incredible wisdom in the Bible, however... If we want to unlock the wisdom of the Bible, if we want to really understand it, we need to understand the inner dimension of Christ, the inner dimension of the human being. There's a lot of language in the Bible that we would call mystery language. The Christ is referring to initiation knowledge. And if you don't understand that, you can can misunderstand the teaching.
0: What's initiation?
1: So... Initiation is the process whereby a human being becomes a citizen of both the spiritual world and the physical world. So we, we, we all are capable of moving around and doing things, and we're functional in the physical world. But most of us are not functional in the spiritual world. But when you go through a process of initiation, you become functional in two different worlds. And this was the way that people entered the spiritual world in the past all the ancient cultures had initiation centers where you went to become initiated and the, the Christ- mystery schools yeah mystery schools initiation centers of various kinds all over the world and this is another part of the mission of Christ in Palestine you see initiation had reached a crisis at this time all over the earth because at at that time like if you study the ancient cultures of the world they are you find that they're all very spiritual right they are all talking about the gods and the goddesses however they're very hierarchical it was really only the elite of these cultures that participated in initiation and the whole culture was generally guided by the initiate kings of one form or another but part of the mission of Christ that was so radical was to bring initiation to every single human being, to remove the hierarchical approach to initiation, and, and invite every human being into the process of uniting with their higher self, with their inner law, with their own relation to the divine. This was the deeper mission of Christ at that time.
0: Wow. So I've just made it through some of the lectures that uh, Rudolf Steiner gave about um, Christ through his own spiritual scientific research, and it's called The Fifth Gospel. And he talks about the early life of Jesus, something that we that most people don't know that much about. And he talks about Christ wrestling with Judaism, um, paganism, and this group called the Essenes. And I'll just try to sum it up real quick. Basically says that these practices... Jesus experience was that these practices no longer they had they were starting to lose their fruit or they were they weren't able to commune with the divine in ways that they used to um, can you go deeper into that why was that was that true why was that the case
1: yes so this is a fact every spiritual stream goes through a phase of growth and decline every culture every human being we go through growth and decline and at the time of christ the great traditions which had inspired humanity for thousands of years were in a stage of decline we see this in in judaism look at the rigidity that the that the christ encountered in that culture among the pharisees and the sadducees and and and, and as a young man, we understand through Rudolf Steiner's spiritual research that the Christ traveled all over um, the Middle East of that time and it had encounters with pagan cultures and discovered that it wasn't only the Jews that were in decline, the pagan cultures were also in decline. The, the, people couldn't find their way to the spiritual world through those initiation practices anymore. And this... Jesus who is not yet the Christ with the most enormous grief and pain because he saw that human beings were not able to find their way to God
0: right and so what was his answer to that you know what what did he have to do in order to help with that
1: (laughs) well what we (laughs) what we understand um, is that the being of Jesus was Jesus was a great initiate of the ancient world. He was a reincarnation of one of the greatest initiates. And his task was to become a vessel for a divine being who we could call the Christ being, the solar logos. And he had to be prepared for this task. And this task reached a certain culmination when he was 30 years old, and he underwent the baptism by John the Baptist. This was when Jesus, this great initiate, had reached a crisis. He had reached a crisis in recognizing that humanity, if a new impulse didn't come in to human evolution, humanity was going to simply decline and become completely degenerate.
0: Like more, more hardened, more material, more and
1: more hardened, more and more materialistic, more and more hateful of other human beings,
0: and why? Why? Just because that was just the direction they were going?
1: Yes, because human beings had succumbed to error at a certain point in evolution. It was actually part of the divine plan that error enter human evolution. That human beings had to encounter. The potential for error and evil. This was necessary so that we could attain our freedom, so that we were, would not just be automatons of the gods, but that we would have our own independent individuality. So the gods, this was part of the plan for human beings. However, we had sunk so deeply into error at that time that there was a real risk that humanity would lose its way. So I mean, evil and error is a real force in the world, and human beings were succumbing to it.
0: Um, go a little bit deeper into evil, um, as illumined by esoteric Christianity, because I understand there's a pol- it's it's thought of as like a polarity in esoteric Christianity, yes. not like good and bad, but a polarity of evil and good in the middle.
1: Yes, you could say that one of the Teachings of Christ in our time is concerns the nature of evil that for human beings to grow into our true task as co-creators as I said earlier we need to understand the nature of evil more deeply and the nature of evil is that it's a polarity that one aspect of evil actually wants us to liberate us prematurely from the earth, wants us to enter a kind of nirvanic bliss prematurely and a second aspect of evil wants to bind us to the material world as hardened materialists or technologists and make us obsessed with material wealth and material power and this polarity, evil tries to either one-sidedly spiritualize us or one-sidedly materialize us, and and the Christ being is really a being that teaches humanity how to hold the balance between these two tendencies.
0: Right on. What what would is there a name to be associated for? It? So it's basically like evil is getting way too far out of balance on either end is what we would call evil.
1: Yes, these forces. So you could just say. Human beings live between the tension of spirit and matter. Mm -hmm. And we need to strike a balance between spirit and matter. And at any given time in our individual lives or our whole culture, we can become imbalanced.
0: Right on. So it's just a challenge to stay in the middle, basically.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, look, we have enormous evil in our present culture in our present civilization. We have to meet it out of an abundance of good. But one temptation would be to escape, would be just like, hey, this is up. I'm out of here. Excuse me. (laughs) Um, And we see this tendency very strongly in our culture right now. It's a very strong leaning toward kind of a dystopian, nihilistic view of the world. The the world's just gone to hell in a handbasket, and we either need to get out, Um, Or we need to just create some haven where we can enjoy as much as we possibly can, but we can't do anything about it. We can't be active. We can't work for the transformation of the world. Unfortunately, this way of thinking is really infecting the next generation.
0: Right on. Well, you're listening to 91.9 WDRT, and this is The Conscious Bro Show. We are talking about Christ in the esoteric sense, and we're really getting deep. And on that note, I'm interviewing Robert Karbelnikoff, by the way, as well. When we talk about such matters, and one kind of gets into stuff that you know maybe doesn't seem like it's addressed in the Bible, or most people might not get it from the Bible, I, I almost get like a little worried because it, it seems like some people feel like like that's bad or something, or like you're like you're not supposed to get into like esoteric matters when you talk about Christ and. Um, Like, because it said of that in the Old Testament or something, or Paul mentioned it at one point. Do you want to get into that? What's that all about?
1: Well, this is a really interesting topic, Kyle. So in a way, this goes back to the history of Judaism. So I'm going to give you kind of a big historical picture of this, okay? So at the time that Judaism was coming into existence, the pagan cults around them, the pagan religions, the pagan cultures were already on a path toward decadence. And so many of these pagan cults were succumbing to evil influences, right? So even though these religious practices may have originally been good and pure, they had succumbed to decadence. And so you had you know, sacrifice of children. You, you, you did literally have decadent practices happening among the pagans. And this is why the Jews had this mission to separate from the pagan people and to establish a different kind of religious practice. And so in the Bible, you do have passages about the need to separate from these degenerate pagan practices and sometimes people associate that with the whole notion of the occult with kind of sorcery with esoteric knowledge that isn't in the bible can sound to them like ooh that's scary that's something that we need to separate from and you know it's true that that there are some occult practices that yeah would be good not to practice Um, There are spiritual teachings that are unwholesome. That's all true. But to react to that purely out of fear, well, this is what we see a lot. People react to that out of fear, and they're like, well, we just want to be true to the Bible. How do we be true to the Bible? And that's going to, you know, we're going to be safe then. We're going to be good with God. But the thing is, human beings, it's not our destiny to just try to be good. Like I said, we're called to be co-creators. We're called to bring our individuality into existence, our unique contribution. And in our time, to be a mature individual, we need to understand the nature of creation, what it means to be a human being. How does the spiritual world actually work? What's the nature of the evolution of humanity? And we need a deeper form of knowledge. And Rudolf Steiner tried to bring a Christian esoteric science, a science that would allow us to grow closer to the Christ being and to meet this hunger for knowledge that we have because we need, we need to understand. So, yes, I'm saying, you know, in history, one can find. There were times where it was appropriate to separate, separate from degenerate influences, but that doesn't mean we should be afraid of everything that speaks about the esoteric
0: well, the way that I think about it too is like when you study the human body, you know you're looking at how everything works in the human body. Well, isn't there unseen realities too, other than what's just you know seen and accessed by the senses. I mean, there's certain, like, we, we can't see uh, UV rays with our eyes, right? We can't Correct. see certain things. So at what level are we allowed to start to study some of these unseen realms of existence? And at what level do some of our religions, like, unfold within these unseen realms? And why can't we explore that? You know what I mean? Correct. It, it, it seems like we need to take this scientific lens that we have, that we've been using to figure out the material world and use that to start to figure out the spiritual world in a more grounded, solid way, if that's
1: possible. I, I completely agree, and I would say that actually what we have now is a false duality where religious people try to confine themselves to the Bible, and they tend to reject the idea that you can, that you can understand the spiritual world through some kind of scientific discipline, like Rudolf Steiner tried to pioneer But then they wind up embracing everything that materialistic science brings to the table. So you have this weird polarity of very religious people who also just embrace materialistic science, materialistic forms of the economy and technology. But this is the age in which Christianity has to penetrate culture. We have to take hold of technology. We have to take hold of the economy, of society, and penetrate it out of Christianity? How do we lead civilization to a place of dignity? And those aren't questions that we can just answer in our churches. We need to bring Christ into the public square in the sense of how do we create a humane culture? You see, we need knowledge for that. We don't just need old dogmatic religious traditions. Christianity has to be completely renewed in our time, many of its existing forms. No offense, I have great respect for various preachers and ministers, but a lot of Christianity, churchianity, is dying. It needs a complete
0: renewal. How so? I mean, what, what do you think needs to happen in that, that regard? Well, in the sense of,
1: like, how could Lutheranism be renewed or Catholicism be renewed? or I mean, yeah, Is that I guess, the kind of question you're asking? Yeah.
0: I mean, you said Christianity needs a renewal. So the first thing you think about when you think of Christianity is probably church. It's probably the first thing, going to church every Sunday, well, reading the I Bible, would say
1: and... I would say the biggest thing that churches need to consider for their own renewal is the idea that human beings have a, low, have a higher self, that every individual human being has a higher self. And the church is there to help human beings awaken to their higher self. You see, historically, in the old mysteries, the group was more important than the individual. And this legacy lives on in the religious life, that it's kind of like I get to heaven through the group that I belong to. And so... I'm a Catholic and therefore I get a doorway into heaven by being a Catholic. But that's that's an totally outdated way to think. We have our own individual path to God. This is why, you know, the esoteric name for Christ is the I AM, the bringer of our individual power. And so if the churches would see themselves in the role of helping individuals find their own individual Christ power within themselves that would already be a step in the right direction. So it's about say. finding the
0: Christ power within yourself rather than like getting the gold ticket to heaven or like I am doing this, I'm going to be good. I'm not I'll be good when I die rather than thinking like that.
1: Yeah, right. There's that tendency too. Again, people just kind of thinking about personal salvation. We need to be thinking about the transformation of society and of the planet. Christ is a profoundly incarnational being. He wants us to bring our highest self into incarnation, into our lives, into society. What does it mean? What what would a Christian form of the economy look like? Right? This doesn't mean putting the name of Christ on everything, but, but it, it means what? Some forms of fair trade. What is, what is a true form of ownership in, in a culture actually permeated by Christian perspectives?
0: See, but when you say something like that, I could, I could just sense people getting scared, like, oh, there's going to be all this dogma now in the economy, this Christian dogma is going to be controlling everything. I got that sense when he said that.
1: I know, but that's just old Christianity, the shadow of it living on in people's consciousness.
0: So you're saying that's not what's really that's not really Christian or that's not what's wanting to unfold in Christianity in the present.
1: Correct. Correct. I'm talking about an economy of love. Like we do So look, Christ is working in the world, whether people know about him or not. And we see a lot of developments in the economy that are, that are Christian, meaning, well, basic things like people don't want to buy products that have been made in sweatshops somewhere, where the people making those products have been utterly treated like they've been degraded, right? That's a Christian sentiment, working in the economy, to actually care where a product came from, how it was produced I mean, with all these people at the co-op buying that food, partly because they believe that it's better for, for the environment, the way it was grown and raised. So Christ brings this power of empathy, of entering into an understanding that our actions matter. It matters how we produce something, how we grow something, how we trade something, the whole fair trade impulse. Really, this is the interesting thing, like... Christianity and Christ the whole impulse universal human rights the notion of fairness these things come out of the history of Christianity but they have to they have to be renewed now
0: well i think i think it's helpful to think of humanity in and of itself as an organism that's growing and evolving over time because if you think about it like that and this is what i've learned studying esoteric christianity because if you think about yourself like what was appropriate to you when you were like one, two, three years old, is no longer like how you were treated by your parents or you know what yes. th- the boundaries you yes. had. Like you weren't able to like you would have like that little wall like guarding the stairs, right? Like you, right, so you don't fall down the stairs. That's you might right. not have been allowed to cross the street. You know what I mean? But now that now you're an adult in your twenties and now you have access to a lot more. And from what I understand with esoteric Christianity, they they relate it like that. Like what was okay for, you know, for the Jewish peoples in the Old Testament, then all of a sudden when Christ came back and, you know, these Pharisees and Sadducees were like trying to lay down the law, then all Christ is like, well, now we're, he was like bringing the new revelation and and how we got to think about it like that. Do you have anything to say?
1: Well, totally. I think that's completely accurate. So much of the religious life of humanity right now is still oriented toward an age where human beings were not ready to think for themselves and so it has, still has a lot to do with authority people associate religion with authority but that is not the mission of Christ to bring some big giant authoritative infrastructure to tell human beings what to do this is what the bible says or you're going to hell or that's you're it. going to hell that's what people That is a complete with. shadow of the true impulse of Christianity it had Is a reason why it happened because you know, like you said, when we're children, our parents do need to create structure. We have to learn right and wrong. It's a developmental process, but eventually we have to find the law within, right? We have to find our inner conscience, our our own inner motivation to do the good, and this is where we have the opportunity to really enter into a living relationship with the spiritual world, with the Christ being or Maybe we don't use that word because it's so charged for so many people, but the reality is that's the mission of this being.
0: Yeah, and I think this is what a lot of people have an issue with today with Christianity is that guilt trip, like the feeling guilty. Yes. And if you're you're doing it wrong and you're going to burn for eternity, or like, you get one chance at this in your life, you do it wrong, burn for all eternity in hell. And I think, how, how would you say is that off? How would you what? Well, like... When people think of Christianity, they think we get one life, we get one chance to go through, and you either do it right, and you you spend an eternity in heaven, or you do it wrong, and you spend an eternity in hell.
1: Look, so it's true that knowledge of past lives for a period of time needed to be lost in the evolution of humanity. So the, the history of Western civilization is connected with this need for human beings to learn to appreciate the significance of their current lifetime and not just see themselves in a, as one life in a continuous series of, li- of lives, okay? There was a necessity for human beings to lose consciousness of their full spiritual reality, but now is the time when we get to wake up from that sleep. And unfortunately, yeah, some of the worst shadow elements within Christianity are this, this punishment motif, this, this idea that you're, you're going to hell because you made a certain error. And this, is, this comes from the worst elements of human nature. It doesn't come from the being of Christ.
0: Yeah, when I hear that, it seems to be like a um, a watered down form of describing karma or something, or something like kind of like a, a it's almost like hinting at karma, but it's like off in a way. What do you say about well, that?
1: Well, it's true that our actions matter. Right, there is such a thing as karma. I believe. Okay, and you want to say
0: what karma is, real quick.
1: Well, there's a lot of aspects to karma. From the Eastern perspective, I mean, karma is the fact that we act. We act sometimes in error. And now when we pass into another lifetime, we have to come to terms with that error that we acted out of in a previous lifetime, which often has caused harm. So now we carry with us into a new lifetime um, a burden because we caused harm. It's like cause and effect basically. it's a cause and effect principle however christ brings a different way of thinking about karma right so in in esoteric christianity we talk of what we could call future karma the idea that we are receiving tasks each of us for the future and our conscience calls us to certain work for the future and even our past errors can inform our our mission for the future so it isn't just about freeing yourself of your past misdeeds so you can go back to heaven it's like our past misdeeds are sometimes can guide us to where our work is in the world where we where we can grow from this well, yeah, like you almost, it almost
0: gives you the opportunity to connect with other people that are experiencing those things, and if you can heal them <laughs> within yourself, you can help them do the same. That's kind of what I thought of when you said that.
1: Yeah, I think we see that kind of thing all the time. You know, people suffer a tragedy in their life. Um, I just think of, okay, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Just as an example, the woman who started Mothers Against Drunk Driving, she lost her daughter right? Now, this became a mission for her. She started an incredible organization that all grew out of her sense of loss. Now, what was the karma of that? We don't know. We don't know. Um, but the point is that something new arose from the suffering. And this is part of what the Christ being makes possible, is that suffering and loss, even Even error and evil can be transformed and actually become something good.
0: Like deep, deep, profound, compassionate love.
1: Yes. Think how much more compassionate we become through our suffering.
0: And like you can really get people and you can really see them. And it talks about this in the fifth gospel, how Christ, he just developed. It was almost like a transmutation through all of this pain and suffering. He just, all this love kept shining through and shining through to where it was just had this profound impact on everybody he came in contact with.
1: Yeah, and I'll say there's a certain misunderstanding in, in the history of Christianity, too, about this notion that Christ died for our sins or that Christ took our sins upon him. And so in a number of churches, people think, well... We don't have responsibility for our sins because we can give them to Christ. Christ takes it all on, and so somehow I'm free of my sin. But this is this is a misunderstanding. So Christ doesn't remove anyone's personal karma. What he does is, what Christ did is through the Through his deed 2000 years ago he lifted the collective karma of humanity so that new spiritual life could pour in to human evolution there was there was an incredible weight of sin if you want to call it that error evil over humanity at that time and that was lifted so that fresh spiritual life could pour in But Christ didn't remove anybody's personal karma. We each have to make good our personal karma.
0: Well, you're listening to 91.9 WDRT, Viroqua, and this is The Conscious Bro Show. I'm interviewing Robert Karbelnikoff, and we are going really, really deep into the mission of (laughs) Christ on an esoteric sense. It's getting getting juicy, I would say. Um, I just want to say, so you're relating sin to karma too, which I would agree with you, And and esoteric... Christianity, they talk about uh, Christ being the Lord of karma. What exactly does that mean?
1: Well, I was trying to touch on that earlier, that um, karma is no longer just making good past error, somehow somehow freeing yourself of errors done in the past. But Christ brings to us the impulse of service, of, of entering into the earth and transfiguring it. So it's really... The destiny of humanity is to lift up the earth to a new phase of evolution, to to sanctify and transfigure the whole earth.
0: So it's almost like, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the impression I'm getting. It's almost like we're going from life to life, growing and healing and almost collectively as a hum, human race, g- slowly getting to heaven in a way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, Am, but we're, off?
1: we're bringing the whole earth with us. So with one of the... the teachings of esoteric Christianity is that when Christ died on the cross, this, this, the spirit of Christ took dwelling within the earth. The earth is now the body of Christ. This was the mystery of the Last Supper, Christ saying, this is my body, this is my blood. He's, he's informing the disciples that he will now be present in the whole earth. Prior to this moment, well, prior to the baptism, the Christ was body was the sun, okay? This is the thing. Christ was a solar being that was worshipped by all the religions of the world from his abode on the sun. At the baptism, this son being enters into an individual human being, Jesus of Nazareth. And then at the death of Christ, he becomes united with the whole earth. And the mission of Christ is to gradually transfigure the whole earth into a son itself, the earth over millennia will become a sun in the cosmos. That's the mission
0: of the earth. So, I mean, to me, that's like going to heaven. That's what it's. seems <laughs> So you
1: like. could call that going to heaven, <laughs> but it's not an individual like, I want to get my bliss in heaven. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I want to be special and holy. It's a long-term project. And it's a project that involves all of creation, the mineral kingdom, the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom, we are connected to the all of nature.
0: So uh, two things are coming up. When you're saying this, it reminds me of like ascension, something that I hear a lot um, uh, in the new age community or like reaching 5D. I wonder if you can, mm-hmm. that's what that reminds me of. Like we're collectively like raising our frequency, raising the earth up to, is that relatable or what, what would you say about that?
1: Well, I would say two things about it. I think that we live in an age where the Christ being wishes to expand human consciousness to a, to a greater knowledge of the whole cosmos, to feel ourselves as citizens of the cosmos, of the universe. And so on the one hand, it would be fair to think that, that certain New Age teachings connected to 5D or 60 or 70 or who knows how many these dimensions are, are, dimensions, yeah, are perhaps an expression of this Christ impulse expanding human consciousness at this time, um, or at least to striving in that direction. However, I would say that to the degree people are thinking, this is my way away from this planet this is my way to exit this is this i would say is not a healthy tendency right so our task is to bring these spiritual powers into our lives on earth to transfigure society to make the world a better place not just to Get the hell out of here.
0: Yeah. I was driving home from, or driving to Brooklyn from Thanksgiving, and I had this like almost epiphany because I was listening to the fifth gospel from Rudolf Steiner, and he was talking about some of these old Persian mysteries, and they had these different in- stages of initiations. And I think the sixth stage you could be, it was called like a sun hero. And you were essentially lifting your consciousness up to the sun mm-hmm. and trying to experience the sun and the solar system. And he was saying that would, used to be the way that you would access Christ back in the day yes. before Christ came down to the earth. But he said now, as of you know, Christ dying on the cross, which was akin to a birth of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, and then on Pentecost, when all the disciples received that into their, bo- into their bodies, it was almost like what people used to experience when they would go up to the sun now was here, present in the earth. So yes. sometimes I wonder... Um, and I don't know what you think about this, but this is just a theory of mine. This desire to get off the earth and to like ascend off the earth is akin to this old way of doing things when you don't need to do that anymore. You can access the Christ here now on the earth.
1: Yes. Yes, that was part of the mission of the Christ being two thousand years ago was to bring about a new form of initiation. So these old initiation centers we spoke about, all of them, the the final stage of initiation was like a three day temple sleep where you left your body and the your, the initiates guided you into the spiritual world and you you received enlightenment and then you were carefully brought back into your body. It was like you died for three days, and Christ brought a new form of initiation that we could experience without having to Mm. leave our bodies. We could experience incarnate initiation. And this is important for our time because we need to practice the ability to transform civilization. As I said earlier, like to bring the Christ impulse into each act of our daily lives, to bring dignity into our lives, into our economy, into our lawmaking, into everything needs to be transfigured. And this is what the Christ impulse is trying to bring.
0: And the way that you're describing the two polarities of evil, and then from what I understand, Lucifer's task is for to get humanity to basically disregard the earth and only kind of only accept the spiritual reality and disregard the earth. So if, if we get too far, you know, away from earthly matters, you know, is, is there a Luciferic influence?
1: Okay, so you just brought in some new terminology around evil. So we were talking about a polarity, but we hadn't introduced these oh, terms. we didn't, yeah. So it's true that in Anthroposophy, the terminology that Rudolf Steiner used for the overly spiritualized evil was he called that the Luciferic influence, the, 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 the forces of Lucifer and the overly materialized side he he ascribed to a certain spiritual being called araman which is a persian term um so yeah i mean look it's true that in any spiritual practice there's some degree of detachment that we learn to practice right we take time away from our daily lives to meditate we learn to see our habits and 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 in a more dispassionate way um we take retreats these things are not bad but they can become one-sided if we if we decide to retreat entirely from our responsibilities as human beings for the earth and, and just, for each other and too. for each other so so the whole tendency to kind of you know address our spiritual lives through retreating um, has to be balanced with vigorously taking hold of our lives.
0: And didn't didn't the Buddha even say that? I mean, he's he's talked about walking the middle path. Yes, he talked about that. And there's this whole this bodhisattva vow of like yes. I, I will not leave. I don't know exactly what it is. Exactly
1: but. the bodhisattva vow. I will not I will not ascend into nirvana until all sentient beings are able to ascend with. So me. that's like
0: a, a Christian path. Exactly,
1: isn't? and this this evolution of buddhism happened roughly coincident with the time of christ so buddhism has gone through an evolution i would say to becoming more christian the bodhisattva vow is imbued with a certain christian spirit so you can
0: you can be akin to christ you could be walking uh i guess a christian path, so to speak even without like going to church every day or even knowing that you are is that fair to say or no
1: I think that's fair to say. Look, the Christ being is working in every single human soul. Sorry, I know it probably freaks out some people like I want nothing to do with Christ. But from the pers- from this perspective that I'm speaking out of today, the Christ being is the guide of every human soul toward the greater unfoldment of our potential. And at which time an individual human being wakes up and has a conscious relationship to that being is is a a special thing in someone's destiny but it's some people devote their whole lives to service to love right on. to care for the earth without having to think of themselves as christian okay so this is You know, partly the mission of esoteric Christianity is to help people separate the spirit of Christ from the forms in which it has so far taken.
0: So if you say that uh, Christ is like in the earth now, so by connecting with the earth, you can connect to Christ? Because I know I've heard um, Christians say that, you know, you don't want to be of the world. You know what I mean? What? How how can you like how can you connect to the earth and connect with Christ and not be too like materialistic and too dense I guess. You know what I mean?
1: Well, okay, so I think many people in our time are having spiritual awakenings through their contact with nature, right? I mean, the whole environmental movement in a way has been fueled by a a kind of awakening to the beauty and dignity of the natural world. And I would say, to some degree, that's because people are experiencing the spirit, the spirit of Christ moving in the natural world, right? I would argue, even again, if they don't use those terms, nature has been enlivened in our through the working of the Christ in the earth for 2,000 years. And some people can experience this vitality. But I would say the Christ being also wants us to, to actually understand how spirit and matter work together in every being. So every plant, every animal, every landscape brings together spirit and matter in a particular way. And if we want to serve the transfiguration of the earth, we need to become conversant in understanding how spirit and matter work together so that we can work in a
0: balanced way again. Okay, I got two more questions. We got to do them quick. All right. Because we got like, what, five minutes? All right. One is... I know when pe- a lot of people talk about Christianity, they think women being mistreated. What's that all about? Is that a true Christian impulse? No. Or like page- would... part of the patriarchy or something like that. I've heard this yes. before. Yes.
1: So this is, again, connected with the historical separation between Judaism and paganism, okay? in pa- in In paganism, you had a much stronger role of the female priestesses, okay? And in, in Judaism, the male element played a much stronger role in the priesthood. And again, this was associated with a certain corruption that came into the pagan religions at that time. But this now has been transformed through the Christ being. So it was necessary for the Jews to separate, but we don't need to keep practicing that because now is the age when both men and women can work together and open new doorways to the spiritual world. Um, women have equal dignity with men and men have equal dignity with women it's a it's a unified project that the Christ being is opening the door to now and yeah. Past forms of patriarchal religion are just that. They addressed a certain time in history. They're, they're not really relevant to the present.
0: All right, and the other one is, um, is Christ coming back? What can we expect? It's like, is Christ coming back, and how do we connect? How do we find him?
1: Christ is not—so from the perspective that I'm speaking out from the understanding that I have gained from studying Rudolf Steiner's work, from studying other sources of esoteric Christianity, what happened 2,000 years ago was an utterly unique event. It does not need to happen again in the sense of a single individual becoming the bearer of the solar logos and performing this deed of sacrifice— that was a one time event but that being now continues to unfold and reveal itself in the earth so the the notion of the second coming that we have in the bible is related to the idea that christ will keep showing up for human beings in new ways and that human beings now are ripe for a new revelation of christianity This is what spiritual science is about. This was actually Rudolf Steiner's mission, to lay the ground for a new revelation of Christ that human beings are ready for, we're ready to be in a conscious, knowing relationship with this higher being, this higher guiding being of human evolution.
0: Is that related to Christ being in the etheric world? And if yes. so, how do we connect with them? What 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 would you say to a listener that's wants that connection? What what would you say?
1: <laughs> well, it's very different for everybody, but um what I was saying earlier about trying to understand reality holistically, meaning the spiritual and physical aspects of every aspect of reality. The, the spiritual and physical are united in everything, but we have to come to behold that, to understand that. So this is the way in which spiritual science is sort of the handmaid of the new Christianity. We need a spiritual scientific understanding of reality. And and if it all depends on what your interests are, what you're into. But I would say, get yourself grounded in in authentic spiritual science, um, as a doorway to having a fresh encounter with this being that we call the Christ.
0: Awesome, super inspiring, Robert. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been an amazing talk.
1: <laughs> Thank you, God. Yeah. This was this was a lot of fun. Let's do it again sometime. Yeah.
0: Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, do you want to end with an Our Father?
1: With a prayer? Yeah. If your listeners are into prayer now this could raise a lot of questions for your listeners like so prayer from old time christianity is still relevant and i would say yes it is once we understand it so you'd like to close within our father that we would say together
0: um yeah well let me just so you are listening to 91.9 wdrt and this is the conscious bro show this is conscious bro out and i'm going to let you do it because i don't know if i completely know the whole thing
1: Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Amen.